0: Good morning and God's blessings to you on this, the fifth, the fifth Sunday of Lent. Uh, just uh, a couple announcements before we begin. One is that if you're planning on coming to communion today, we had to change things around just a little bit because of the, because of the weather. The uh, area behind the church is pretty wet, and so we're going to do communion in front of the church in spite of the wind. Um, we'll try it without a tent. Um, I'll, I'll be able to have a little bit of shelter in the entryway to the church, um, but I'll have cars pull up in pairs and I'll direct you when you get here, so same instructions for you when you're coming to communion today. Uh, pull up your car into the parking lot, and um, and I'll tell you what to do from there. And <laughs> I ask your patience as we try to try to figure out what's the best way to go about this. Um, other than that, we are following the order of service of, of divine service setting three without communion this morning, um, and we will begin by singing hymn number 431, "Not All the Blood of Beasts." Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God, and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. We continue with the introit. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Send out your light and your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. great goodness, mercifully look upon your people, that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the fifth Sunday of Lent is from Genesis chapter 22. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. You delivered me from my enemies. You rescued me from the man of violence. The epistle is from Hebrews chapter 3. When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jews, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. We confess our faith according to the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We continue by singing hymn number 438, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Our gospel lesson today drops us in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and the Jews in the temple. And it ends with the Jews picking up stones to throw at Jesus. They were going to execute him. Now we're still only in John chapter 8 at this point, and the crucifixion doesn't come until John 19, so it wasn't time yet, and Jesus slipped away from them. But here's the question. What was the straw that broke the camel's back? What made them finally lose it and decide that he deserved to die? Just at face value, I would have thought that it was this, when Jesus said, you are of your father, The devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. That's personal. The devil is your father, he said to them. That cuts deep. After all, the Jews were the children of Abraham, God's chosen people. They were not like those Gentiles, those pagan nations that worshiped false gods. They had the law and the prophets, and they were waiting for the Messiah. But Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Of course, they returned the favor to Jesus, mixing ethnic slurs with their blasphemy. They said, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? It's like what they said a couple weeks ago when they claimed that Jesus cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. They thought they were on God's side. But it turns out they were on the devil's side. And you know it because they opposed Jesus. They didn't listen to his words which meant they weren't listening to God's word. But not only were they on the devil's side, Jesus says today that they're the devil's children. He's not pulling any punches, is he? Jesus tells it like it is. He speaks plainly. He's not lobbing insults just for the fun of it. He's telling the truth. The Jews, on the other hand, they were just making an attack They were treating Jesus like a political opponent, trying to discredit him, trying to show why they and others shouldn't believe him, trying to advance the interests of their party, even at the cost of the truth. But this comment that Jesus made that these Jews were of their father, the devil, that's not what drove them to pick up stones. That's not the straw that broke the camel's back. It was this. It began when Jesus told them, that anyone who keeps his word will never see death. And they replied, now we know you're crazy. Now we know that you have a demon. Our father Abraham, even he died. Are you better than him? Or all the prophets, the men of God, they died. Are you greater than they are? They thought they had caught him. But Jesus went on to say, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews scoffed at Jesus. You're not even 50 years old, and you say that you've seen Abraham? They didn't scoff for very long, though, because what Jesus said next enraged them. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's when they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. Now, what's so bad about that? It doesn't even really make sense, does it? Maybe if he had said, before Abraham was alive, I was alive too. That at least would have made some sense, even though it couldn't possibly have been true, as far as the Jews were concerned. But that's not what Jesus said. Before Abraham was, I am. That's not mere crazy talk. It's not just being insensible. You have to listen carefully here. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he's saying that he's God, and he's saying it in a very specific way. I am is the most holy name of God. Remember the story of the burning bush. Moses was exiled out of Egypt, and he kept sheep in the land of Midian, and while he was there, God appeared to him in a bush that was burning, though it was not consumed. Moses went to take a closer look, and God told him to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he told Moses to go back to Egypt to demand that Pharaoh let his people go. But Moses said, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. It's a cryptic answer, isn't it? What kind of a name is that? I am who I am. It's the name that sounds like this in Hebrew, Yahweh. And whenever you see the word Lord with all of the letters capitalized in your Bible, that's what's there, Yahweh, the name of God, I am. It's a name that tells us that before there was anything, God was there. And it tells us that he is free, that he does what he wills to do, and the whole universe is his. Tell the people of Israel, God said, I am has sent me to you. Now back to Jesus. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, all the Jews heard it and understood that he was claiming not just to have seen and known Abraham, but that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is the one who called Abraham out of his country and gave him the promise of a land and a family. Jesus is the one who was there before Abraham was born, who was there at the creation of the world, the one by whom all things were created. Now, you and I may take this a bit for granted. We confess it every week that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, very God of very God. But put yourselves in the shoes of the Jews for a moment. Here, standing before them, was a man flesh and blood. They knew where he came from. They even knew something about his birth. They had taken a jab at him earlier, observing that Joseph wasn't his real father. They implied that he had been born in sin, that his mother must have been a fornicator, and that his birth, Jesus' birth, was illegitimate. He had a shameful origin, as far as they were concerned, and he looked no different from anyone else. He was just another guy, But now he was claiming extraordinary things, not just that he was somehow divine, but that he was the personal God of the Jews, the God they knew from their scriptures, the God who sent plagues on Egypt, and the God who descended on the temple in a glory cloud. Think about how strange that was to hear. Here they are standing in the temple where the sacrifices are offered to the Lord God Yahweh. That temple existed so the Jews could worship God and receive every good thing from him. And now Jesus stands up and says, I am, I am Yahweh. I am the God that you think you've been worshiping. I am the God to whom all these sacrifices are offered. I am the God who brought you up out of Egypt and led you with a pillar of cloud and fire towards the promised land. I am the one. You can imagine that they'd be skeptical. But what made it worse was all of the things he'd been saying. The things he'd been saying about them and the world and about everything that matters, really. If it's true that he is God, well, then you have to listen to him. If it's true that he's the Son of God, that he speaks on behalf of the Father that he himself is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one with the authority to execute judgment, then everything that he said about sin and the peril of death and life and salvation, about being born from above and eating his flesh and blood, about forgiveness and righteousness and the truth, everything that he said is not just vain ramblings, but the very word of God with the authority of God, and it calls you to repent and it asks you to believe and to ignore it, is to come under his judgment there is a lot not to like about that. We don't like being under anyone's authority, much less some man who is claiming to be God. Our instinct is to do the opposite of whatever that guy says, especially when what he says is that our lives are not what we think, that we're going in the wrong direction, that when we try to serve God on our own terms, we're actually serving the devil. And so when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. They wouldn't have it. Maybe they could tolerate him if he were just a rogue prophet, but not if he's God. They picked up stones to throw at him. I think it's possible for us to relate. There are things that Jesus says, what he says about our hearts, how dark they are on their own, the way he calls us to love and to give selflessly, expecting nothing in return, thinking only about the good of our neighbors, the way he asks us to sacrifice, the way he asked Abraham to sacrifice, the way he asks us to lay our consciences bare, not to hide from him, not to try to cover up our sins or to minimize them or to put them out of mind, but to own them and acknowledge how wretched we are, the way he asks us to trust in him alone, to go to him alone for mercy and forgiveness and a clean heart and a good conscience, the way he asks us to confess him, even as he is bloodied and on the cross, to confess and not to deny him, all of those things that he says can be very uncomfortable. Our lives would be more comfortable if we didn't have to listen to him. Or if we didn't have to listen to all of it. If we could only listen to the pleasant parts. If only he weren't God. We wouldn't be bothered with all of the uncomfortable, inconvenient things that Jesus says. That's what was bugging the Jews. That's why they wanted to stone him. He claimed to be God, and they did not want him to be God. One of the themes of the Gospels is that until the resurrection, until Easter, almost nobody sees the big picture. Not the Jews, not Jesus' family, not his disciples. Everyone struggles to understand how the things he has been saying can possibly be true. That is what makes this season of the year so important. What we learn in the coming weeks, from Palm Sunday through Maundy Thursday and Good Friday to Easter, what we learn is that everything Jesus said is true. He spoke with the authority of his Father. He taught the kingdom of God in truth because he is God. And then he died. He died. Because the point of everything that had come before, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the exodus from Egypt, the gift of the promised land, the prophets, the temple, and the sacrifices, all of it was building up for this moment. The point of Jesus' teaching is not to make us uncomfortable or to disrupt our lives, although it does those things. The point is that he wants to give us life. He wants us to be children of his Father and not children of the devil. He wants us to live forever and never to die. He wants us to be perfect and holy and blameless. And so, he died. He died as a sacrifice. Because no sacrifice that you or I could make would ever be able to cover, to atone for our sinful hearts. It required something better, something better than bulls and goats. It took the very Son of God. And so he died. And when he rose on the third day, he was vindicated by his father. Everyone looked on and thought the story was over. Look, he was no better than Abraham or the prophets, for he died as well. That's what they would say. But when he rose from the dead, he rose in power and glory, and with all authority in heaven and on earth having been given to him by his father. And that means that everything that he said was true. And that means that everything he promised would happen down to this most wonderful promise in our gospel today. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews that Jesus was talking to wouldn't listen. They wouldn't hear his words, much less keep them. They did not want Jesus to be God, and they were willing to kill him to ensure that he wasn't. But for you, the fact that Jesus is God, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who promised to rescue the world from sin and death, your God and your Lord. That fact is your great hope and salvation. And just as surely as he stood there in the temple, in the flesh, proclaiming the kingdom of God to whomever would listen, here he is still today. Though he has ascended to the right hand of his Father, yet he still remains present with us in his word and in his flesh and blood in the sacrament, so that keeping his word, receiving his forgiveness and blessing, we will never taste death. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue by singing the Offertory.
1: and take not your
0: Let's pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. Almighty and eternal God, worthy to be held in reverence by all people everywhere, we give you humble and sincere thanks for the innumerable blessings that you have bestowed on us without any merit or worthiness on our part. We praise you especially for preserving for us your saving word and the holy sacraments. Grant and preserve to your Holy Church throughout the world purity of doctrine and provide faithful pastors to preach your word with power. Help all who hear the word rightly to understand and truly to believe it. Send laborers into your harvest and open the door of faith to those who do not know you. In mercy bring to repentance the enemies of your church and grant them amendment of life. Protect and defend your church in all tribulation and danger. Strengthen us and all fellow Christians to set our hope fully on the grace revealed in Christ and help us to fight the good fight of faith That in the end we may receive the salvation of our souls Bestow your grace on all nations of the earth Bless especially our country its inhabitants and all who are in authority Let your glory dwell in our land that mercy and truth righteousness and peace may abound in all places We commend to you the care of our schools so that our children may grow in useful knowledge and Christian virtue, and thus bring forth wholesome fruits of life. Graciously defend us from all calamity, by fire and water, from war and pestilence, from scarcity and famine, and from every other evil. Protect and prosper all who labor in their rightful callings, and let all useful arts flourish among us. Be the God and Father of the lonely and the forsaken the helper of the sick and the needy, the comforter of the distressed and those who sorrow. Accept, we implore you, our bodies and souls, our hearts and minds, our talents and powers, together with the offerings we bring to you. Grant your Holy Spirit to those who come to your Lord's table this day, that they may receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in sincere repentance and firm faith into their abundant blessing. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith, and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour comes, support us by your power and receive us into your heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come,
1: For now us, thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. We conclude by singing hymn number 563, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. God's peace and blessings to you once again on this, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Uh, just a couple things to draw your attention to. If you've got uh, a copy of the bulletin insert, which um, is l- there's a link to that in the email that I've sent around. Um, in that bulletin insert, I mentioned last week that I was going to start something new with the kids. Um, I'll pick this up again once we're back here in church together. Um, but j- if you're interested in doing it on your own a little bit, for this week we would have spent a little time studying Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the creation story. Um, talking about how it is that God made all things by a word um, and what all things were made for, for uh, the benefit, for the benefit of man that God created as the, the pinnacle of creation in his image. Um, and when he had created everything, including uh, man and woman, he called everything good uh, because it had received his blessing and was done by his, his glory and in his creative power. Uh, that's just one thing to draw your attention to. Stay tuned. Uh, we have a service again this week on Wednesday at 7 p.m., the last midweek Lenten service, um, and w- we'll be doing some strategizing here uh, in the coming days to, to try and figure out um, what to do about Holy Week and Easter, um, and we'll, we'll stay in touch about that. Uh, otherwise, again, if you're coming for communion today, uh, just pull into the parking lot. We'll have communion out, out in front of the church, two cars at a time and see how that goes. We'll, uh, we'll be a little bit experimental today, but um, I'm confident. I'm so thankful that so many folks are interested in having the Lord's Supper. It's a sign to me of uh, the hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. So, so I look forward to seeing you today. We'll give it our best shot, and it will be good uh, no matter what, because it's Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. God's peace to you, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon.